Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is all about mental health empowerment using Myers-Briggs to help you figure out your personality type and to help you manage day-to-day neuroses and stress being a high-functioning mental health person. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to be talking about just that, as the tone of the show is going to be shifting just a little bit, or specifically what we're talking about, whereas sort of my goals are changing a little bit and I want to think about mental health and how I can contribute to the conversation in a different way. So using Myers-Briggs as a way for people to figure out their personality type and to use what they know about the personality type for not just personal growth, but how to manage yourself, how to manage the challenges that you face day to day, how to properly evaluate your environment, your mental state, and your physicality to know if you're properly inputting, processing, and outputting the way that you need to in your life. So this episode, I'm going to be talking about how I'm going to be sort of doing that, how I'm going to be crossing mental health and Myers-Briggs in all future conversation going forward on this podcast and with all the other stuff that I'm doing. I'm already doing uh, INTP-specific stuff on the YouTube channel. I am you know, doing Myers-Briggs articles. Personality profiling is one of the ways that I make money and that this helps me as a business. And I've updated the website with all sorts of information about personality profiling and whatnot. So for me, business-wise, personality profiling is where this is going. But for you as the listener, I'm still going to be talking quite a bit about mental health topics in relation to Myers-Briggs, but still talking about mental health topics, day-to-day neuroses and challenges that we face, and just whatever interesting topics that I can think of, it just only means that I'm allowing myself and giving myself permission to talk about Myers-Briggs a little bit more openly and just kind of talking about it more casually and giving you resources to kind of learn the language and the tools and use this as a tool to assist you in your life. Because I'm not a therapist, I'm not able to give that kind of advice. And that's been a little bit of an insecurity for me is being able to utilize, you know, to be able to help in a meaningful way uh, without pretending like I'm a, a professional when I'm, when I'm not, uh, what I'm professional in is profiling. I'm, I'm quite good at it. I've done it for quite some time and I love doing it. So that's what I'm pushing towards a little less coaching and a little bit more profiling because I'm not a therapist, but I am someone that knows Myers-Briggs really well. I know how to give advice and support and that's what we're going to do on this podcast. So a longer intro today because, you know, the tide's changing a little bit, but I hope you're still here. It's okay if you go away and this is not for you anymore. That's totally fine. I let people know on my email list and a couple of people dropped off and that's okay. That's the point. I want to know if this is something that you care about, that this is something that you're going to be interested in, that it's going to help you grow uh, because this is a new direction, a little bit more focused for me. And I just want to be here to help however I can. So let's hit the button and do the thing and talk about Myers-Briggs and mental health empowerment here on Dopamine. Let's go. Drums, the 
NFL playoffs have arrived, and we have you covered each day on OutKicks Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow. Some of the best football guests break down the biggest matchups from Armando Salguero and Donovan McNabb to Ryan Leaf and Bobby Carpenter, plus the top headlines and reaction to each playoff weekend. So, Chad, which quarterback ascends to that next level? The Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua is on this list. Got to be Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, it's I think, his time right I now. think so. Yeah, it's, it's his time to shine. He's done it in the regular season. He's won MVP. He's going to win it again. It is time for him to win in the playoffs. Playoffs are also a time to shine for Patrick Mahomes. Can he and the Chiefs' offense figure it out in order to repeat this playoff season? There's plenty of craziness on a week-to-week basis, so pull up the bar with us each weekday wherever you listen to your podcast. NFL and more covering your favorite teams. Outkicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. All right, welcome to the show. I hope you guys are doing okay. Hope life is treating you well. And 2020 is, you know, it's, I mean, we're almost done January. So uh, you better get going on whatever the thing is that you're trying to do. Uh, do a little something. Do, do you know, get, get the thing going. Um, <clears throat> before we get officially started, I want to remind you that we have a Patreon. So if you do get any value from these episodes, I would really appreciate if you go to our patreon.com slash dopamine page and uh, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E, and just pick a tier and show some support. There is all sorts of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, um, ad-free episodes of the podcast, and uh, other things that I'm going to be sharing behind the scenes of, of like updates I'm going to be making to the website, and and all sorts of stuff. And, And if you have questions, you can use that as a way to ask questions there and basically have access to our community. So... That's the main idea there. The lowest tier is a dollar. So literally, if you want to just support and provide a dollar a month, that would be absolutely amazing to support us and help us continue to have the show going. So patreon.com slash dopamine. So today on the show, I'm talking about Myers-Briggs and mental health empowerment. Mental health empowerment has been sort of the new shift for me, whereas, you know, you can probably find in early episodes of the podcast where there was just a lot of talk around from me and about mental health in regards to a lot of commiseration and a lot of diagnosing. And I think that's a lot of what you see out there in the world of mental health is just, is a lot of diagnosis talk, a lot of, this is what you experience. If you have this, this is what it looks like. If you deal with this, or this is what people don't understand about depression or, or this is what depression actually is. And there's, there's a lot of calibrating and also a lot of commiserating, you know, a lot of expressing, um, you know, what it feels like to have certain illnesses and things like that. And I think those things are incredibly valuable. What I don't see enough and what I feel like I can lend to the conversation is a connection to the more positive sides of things, because there is a side of us that doesn't necessarily, uh, at least of what I've seen on the internet and what I've seen these days in sort of culture is like, it's really easy to dismiss positivity or optimism because that, to a lot of people is seen as unrealistic. However, pessimism is seen as realistic, which doesn't make sense, right? Really just kind of look at what things are for what they are. So what I'm really encouraging with mental health empowerment is this idea that yes, you're dealing with challenges, you're dealing with difficulties, you're dealing with something that is ultimately making you not have a quote unquote normal human experience, And you have to make adjustments. You have to figure out, you know, what it is, what you're experiencing and, 
you know, finding out if there are other people that are experiencing this as well, figuring out if you need to go to therapy and figuring out more about yourself. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to help use Myers-Briggs in the mental health conversation is because it's been a big thing for me. It's had the most impact on me in my life as I've grown and tried to, you know, manage my mental health day to day. So when I went through basically a cascade of failures throughout my 20s, and especially towards the end of my 20s, early 30s, I realized that one of the challenges that I was having was separating my own mental health from my understanding of who I am as a person. So I I thought that those things were basically one and the same, meaning that I was just, you know, the mood swings were just me and some of the irritability was just me and the reckless behavior was just me and understanding that me as an INTP contributes to that, meaning that as an INTP, an introverted, intuitive thinking, perceiving type, that there are aspects of my personality that are being accentuated by my mental health challenges And that helped me separate and understand that, okay, there are things about me that are actually good, that are useful, that are, uh, that are natural, that are, you know, that are, that are common, that I'm not just this weird alien anomaly of a person that also deals with mental health challenges, but, uh, I am a person that is valuable, that has been, uh, that has an ability and a willingness to contribute to the world. And it was through this process of learning through personality hacker, through, uh, AJ Drenth, through reading a ton of books and watching a ton of YouTube videos and then experiencing and meeting people in person that I got to really see what an INTP is and then compare that to myself. And then also the same thing with understanding other people, online and reading a couple things on cyclothymia and continuing to find out about my uh, different mental challenges, being a highly sensitive person, ADHD, all of that stuff, and really understanding how those things are more associated with the feeling that I have of, of the chemical challenges versus just being an INTP and some of the behavioral changes that I can make. So in a sense, like I had the recent episode about anxiety and control where much of it is about finding a way for you to take the reins on input process and output to take the reins on, you know, the, the figuring out what is affecting you in your environment and then being able to make adjustments so that you can look at what is instead of worrying about, you know, what you don't have control in and what I, encourage with understanding and growing your, your understanding as a person who knows your Myers-Briggs type, or hopefully will know your Myers-Briggs type at some point, you can use this as a way to regain some sense of control. So if you know that you're more of a thinking type and you're surrounded by a lot of feelers in your life, and you're not getting enough of that thinker energy, that connective psychic energy with someone where you're able to talk about thinker topics, then you can kind of see what's a little bit missing in your life. The same thing with feelers. You know, you might have a lot of 
thinkers in your life and maybe not get enough of that emotional interchange and need to find more people in your life that will provide that for you. And sometimes finding the balance of like how to change your interpersonal dynamics around and how you can change your environments and, and how you can change some of your behaviors that you can eventually, you know, be able to mold your life to be a little bit more in flow, which I'm going to be talking about in more episodes, um, to be more in flow and have less resistance because our brains are already going to be dealing with enough. You know, we've got enough challenges with our mental health that to make it worse by not having control of our environment whenever possible, it's, it's, it only makes things harder than it needs to be. So, you know, learning those separate elements of who you are, of who your personality is versus what your mental illness is, allows you to properly set boundaries a little bit better and allows you the opportunity to have connections with whom you want to have to connect and to use your time appropriately. So if you're an introvert, you know, what kind of introverted activity is actually going to give you energy versus what kind of extrovert activity is going to give you energy? versus what kind of thinker, you know, things are going to give you more energy, right? It's about defining more specifically what you can do to get little hits of energy when we're already lacking it. So for me as a person who's lacking the dopamine in my brain, that's I'm having challenges with that. And then when it feels depleted, that's when I'm experiencing a lot of uh, negative feelings and, or just feelings, but like difficult feelings, um, <clears throat> And, and better balancing where I could get some of that energy recharge. So knowing how and when I can get the energy recharge helps me manage the flow of life. And I think a lot of people who aren't experiencing mental illness, they don't have to think about this that much. They kind of go through life and somehow they create, some people just naturally fall into creating a flow state for themselves. You know, they know what they want to do when they're a kid and they end up going in that direction and they do it, right? Life's easy peasy. And that does happen. Some people do have easy lives. Sometimes they're quote unquote normal and they get through it, but they don't have to consider, you know, where they get their energy. They just kind of follow it and they go to it. And for some of us, we have to kind of train ourselves to learn how to get into flow, to learn how to, to find things that give us energy. Sometimes that's a matter of circumstance. Sometimes that's a matter of culture. You know, for me as an INTP, you know, the American culture is not really made for me, for my personality type. You know, with the school system is more focused towards the ISTJ or STJ personality type. Um, Culture in general in America is a little bit more focused on ESFJ personality type uh, sort of behavior. There, there's just some bigger uh, things at play that don't necessarily play to my strengths as an INTP. Some aspects of culture being internet focused and stuff has really been in support of me being able to do more as an INTP, but it just it's not naturally built for me. So I've had to find ways to adapt, and finding ways to adapt by learning about my personality type has allowed me to then compare notes to you know, to life, to other people, and really understand my relationships with my family, with 
um, my partners in the past and really understand what was happening, what was going on and how I could have maybe made adjustments and how I can make adjustments going forward. Right. So I think that's incredibly important and kind of going back to the anxiety and control thing, like, you know, we tend to focus on trying to control our thoughts and feelings, but really what we need to change is our behavior. If we change our behavior, then everything kind of flows with it and learning how to change your behavior tends to come with Myers-Briggs understanding and growth. So if you're an ISFP, which a lot of IPs in the Myers-Briggs system, ISFPs, INFPs, INTPs, and ISTPs, those personality types tend to find reasons to not go into the world. Like it's really easy to rationalize how you don't need to go experience things and how introversion just makes more sense. And in a lot of ways it does for that personality, those personality types. But for an ISFP, for example, it can be really easy to, to assume that you don't need to go out into the world because you can future pace and assume what you're going to feel in a certain situation. And really any IP can theorize what they're going to experience. So if you get kind of caught in your own head, it's really easy for you to avoid experiencing life. And I do this all the time. And with understanding both your Myers-Briggs type and what's going on with your mental health, it can become a, a bit of an intuitive or you can start to feel out and get used to when your body and your mind need you to change modes, right? One of the ways that I like to think about it, if we talk about, if we talk about it from an introvert and extrovert perspective, meaning if you're an introvert and you need extroverted time, or if you're an extrovert and you need some introverted time, I think of it on a, on a timeline. And I've kind of noticed this pattern uh, over the past few years of paying attention to myself and Molly closely, but then other people is that typically after a few days, it, it starts to shift in another direction. So what I mean is, uh, in a sense, if you think about the American work week, five days, two days, they almost have it right in a sense, but that's sort of catered to the introverted sensing, uh, you know, ISFJ, ISTJ crowd, um, where the, the S SFJs and STJs, the SJs basically that that workforce is catered to just kind of like focusing, getting the work done, and then you get two days to relax, right? When I think in reality, in terms of our psychology, I think it's a little bit more three days, two days. And while it doesn't make sense because that's not how our work week works, but if you think about it, you know, for me, I can spend basically three days by myself, by myself-ish, if I really am focused on a project and I'm doing hard work and I'm getting stuff done, after about three days, I feel the pull to go outside and learn new things. I need to go experience the world a little bit. And it doesn't even have to last that long. It's like about two hours and I'm done. <laughs> and then I have another recharge for probably a few more days. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, three days, two days allows for you the opportunity to do a lot of work in your respective realm and then take a little bit of practice, uh, uh, not practice, uh, rest time for yourself to relax and be in the opposite mode for a little while so that you can get sort of the balance because it's not just 
one type of extroversion. There's other things going on, which we'll cover in future podcast episodes. But essentially, you know, understanding your Myers-Briggs type is an easy way to understand even from that perspective. So even just from an introvert or extrovert perspective, understanding that you do need some introvert time if you're an extrovert to kind of slow down and breathe and process. And introverts need extrovert time to go out and get new input and get new ideas and experience new things and experience surprise and delight and joy, right? So giving yourself the time to balance that out is incredibly important for any personality type uh, and to use that as a balancing point for your mental health because it's not going to make it any easier if you're kind of resisting the natural tendencies of your mind as it is. It's kind of like if your brain is naturally depleting dopamine faster than other people and you're doing things that are going to exert even more energy, it's just going to add a two or three times multiplier to that reduction. So it's making sure to be extra sensitive to yourself and to the idea that you're going to need specific things that cater to your energy recharge. So another thing, another way to think about this is that if we do things that respect and honor the parts of our personality that are most important for me as an INTP, that's my introverted thinking and my extroverted intuition. That's the, the thinking side of me, the, the logic and thinking clearly and, and thinking through problems, solving problems, calibrating ideas, thinking about truth and belief, answering big questions. And then the intuition side of like asking big questions answering them, trying to go explore, experience novelty, experience joy, uh, and, and just think about the big picture, honoring those elements of myself, as well as some of the other elements of myself, allow for me to get energetic hits and be in charge of how I get those energetic hits instead of someone else forcing me to be like them, which is going to be draining. So if you're a perceiver, you know, trying to do more judger things than you can handle then it's going to drain your energy reserves faster than, you know, if you were finding a way to honor who you are and not put so much time constraint on something, for example, right? Now, there's like a ton of nuances around all of those things, but I think what's important is thinking about the basics. Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? Are you getting enough time in either direction? Are you following the three-day, two-day model probably three day, one day, but I don't know. I'm still kind of working on that. But generally the idea here is that your mental health and thinking about how that relates to Myers-Briggs is, is being able to just use the Myers-Briggs personality as a way for you to figure out your control, to figure out what your sense of normal is. Really, at the end of the day, that's what it is. And that's what I think has been the most helpful for me is thinking about, you know, me as an INTP, what does it look like for me to be in my happy place? What does it look like for me to be, you know, living life in a way that resonates with my, my energy, who I am as a person? And what does it look like for me to be other than that? 
right? What is it? What does it look like for me to be doing something that's like out of character? Because then you can start to assess like, oh, maybe there's something going on. And I think some of the challenges that I've had with my mental health is that no matter how many times I have gone through my cyclothymia cycle, it still sneaks up on me because I haven't fully calibrated to understanding the complete, you know, control of who I am, like understanding what is normal for me. And then, you know, for me, actually, because I'm a bit of a workaholic as it is, as I start to develop, like as, as mania starts to creep in, it can be pretty hard for me to tell when I'm experiencing mania because then I'm just like getting the double energetic hit of like I'm in mania and I'm getting energy and I'm using my introverted thinking and I'm getting energy and it can be deceiving, right? To get all of this energy and then eventually burn out. That's why following the three, three day, two day rule is incredibly important because I can stay in two, stay in a mode for too long and not switch off right? So it's important for you to check in regardless of how good you feel or how bad you feel to say like, am I getting adequate time in this other direction? You know, and, and am I checking in with the other side of myself? And I know that gets confusing because your personality type, the, the four letter code is it. That's it. That's your four letter code. It doesn't change. What changes is Sometimes we have to check in with the other side of ourselves. And what that means is that we're always going to rubber band back to, back to our type. That's what I mean when I say like your best fit type is like an ISTP or an ESFJ or something like that, is that you're always going to rubber band back to what that type is, but you still have to check in with the other sides of yourself. So I have to check in with the ESFJ sides of me. I have to check in with the extrovert side. I have to check in with the sensory side. I have to check in with my physical details and what's going on in the world around me. I have to check in with the emotional aspects of myself. And I have to check in with the part of myself that's more organized and put together and and ready to present to the world, right? I think that's incredibly important to check in on those bits of yourself to make sure that they are being accounted for and included. So everything gets a little bit more nuanced and we're going to touch on all sorts of different topics to help cater to those nuances and cater to different personality types and and talk about how sometimes there are situations in which a personality type can confuse themselves for having a mental illness because there are aspects of that personality type that have overlaps with symptoms. So the challenge that I've had with ADHD is that my extroverted intuition being playful and fun and bouncy, a lot of that can have conflations with the personality type that you are. So a lot of ENPs or INPs can have, you know, conflation with assuming that they have ADHD because the definitions of ADHD were created by SJs most likely, (laughs) you know, because that's too bouncy. You need to calm down, right? So what, what I'm trying to help people with is discern the physical difference. What does it feel like to have your dopamine depleted? Are you experiencing, you know, suicidal thoughts and all of the difficult emotions that come with, you know, experiencing these things on a regular basis and the level of control you have over these things. So, you know, extroverted intuitives may have challenges with lack of focus, but 
the lack of focus may necess- may be because their personality is trying to take in more territory versus whereas someone with ADHD may have a lack of focus because they don't have enough dopamine in their brain to focus on the task in front of them. It's it's a little bit different. And that's the type of stuff that I want to work on. You know, for I've already done videos on YouTube about the difference between uh INTPs and ADHD, you know, and someone with ADHD. I have other videos for INTPs planned around like uh, what's the difference between INTPs and a psychopath, you know, because a lot of INTPs think they're psychopaths for some reason or sociopaths, you know, and I think there are other personality types that have these conflations or challenges or assumptions that they have a disorder when maybe they don't, or, you know, what is the difference between the disorder they do have and what parts of themselves are, you know, normal behavior of that personality type. I hope all of that makes sense, but but I feel like that's important work that I want to keep working on, and I feel like making this leap to specifically focus on that in this podcast is going to allow me to to focus in on that, to find the right audience of people who are interested in this, and you know it's a big risk because I felt like I was developing a bit of a um, a bit of a crowd, and now. You know, I know some of you guys are going to drop off, and that's okay. That's fine. If you're not interested in this, that's that's totally cool. You'll find other resources. But at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be a replacement for therapy. I'm not trying to make it so that, you know, this is something uh, that is going to be the be-all, end-all of anything. You know, Myers-Briggs is just one typology system. A lot of people use Enneagram, and I might talk about that a little bit. I'm going to talk about other maps and models and systems when it makes sense. But, you know, this is just the angle that I'm going to go in because I think it's incredibly helpful. There's lots of advice to give. There's lots of ways to help people. And I think this is the way that I can contribute. So that's what I'm going to do. That's why I'm here. So that is it. That's basically what's going on between the idea of Myers-Briggs and mental health empowerment and really the future of dopamine. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you to our Patreon supporter, Molly Owens of Truity Labs. She's fantastic. Thank you to my partner, Molly, a different Molly, for always being you know wonderful and listening to my rants and ravings and stuff. To my friends on Twitter at Let's Go See Notes, you can follow me over on Twitter. We have lots of conversations around mental health and Myers-Briggs and whatever else. And we also have a Facebook group. You can kind of look us up there, uh, Dopamine Podcast. Um, what I'm basically trying to push on this show is profiling sessions. So profiling sessions are the way for you to figure out your personality type in a definitive way. There are online tests that you can take that will give you basically an 80% success rate. And what that really means is that when you're taking an online test, it is very easy to sort of overvalue your own experience. Kind of what I mean by that is 
is it's very easy for you to assume that you know everything about yourself when there may be subconscious bias at play uh, or unconscious things happening that you're not aware of that you may have influence from your your parents your job your expectations from society that may not necessarily be honoring your personality type so i think it's important for you to get a personality typing session done with a professional that is trained to see through all of that stuff and trained to see where your natural brain wiring lies and goes to basically read between the lines and tell you what your natural strengths and the, the development path is and where to go from here. So that's why working with me as a personality profiler is one of the best ways for you to figure out your personality type. So if you go to dopamine.life, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E, there's like after the first two paragraphs there, there's a book your session button. So go ahead, book that. I'm doing $97 until the end of January. Then it goes up to $200. So book that now and get your your spot in there before anyone else does. I've got limited spots, so it's really just 20 spots by the end of January. And get that set up, get that connected, and let's do it. I would love to do this. Again, I've mentioned that this is like one of my favorite things to do. This is like a party trick for me. I, I do this at parties all the time to connect with people, help people figure out their type. And the common feeling that people have when they figure out their personality type is a sense of relief. They feel like, oh, okay, everything makes sense now. And then they start getting curious about their family and their friends and their coworkers and or their employees. And that creates the opportunity to send them my way as well. So if you or someone that you know would benefit from doing a profiling session and allowing them to kind of rest into who they are and grow and develop, go to dopamine.life and go ahead and hit the button and set that up. So again, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that you're on board for this transition and talking a little bit more about Myers-Briggs in relation to mental health empowerment. I think this is going to be really important. I'm really excited for doing this. This feels good for me. And I know it might be disappointing for some of you who were hoping for more just general mental health talk, but with time, you'll be able to follow some of the terminology and I'll do some basic stuff. I've got basics courses on YouTube and on our teachable account. Again, on the website, dopamine.life, there's links to our, our learning, our school and all of that stuff. So you can kind of learn the basics. And if you sign up for our email course, there's all of that stuff too. So there's lots of things. Go to the website, browse around, read the stuff, figure out what I'm doing, kind of catch up <laughs> and, uh, you know, more episodes will explain more of what's going on. So as you can tell in my voice, I'm excited about all this. I think it's going to be important. I, I hope it's going to help people. And that's the goal at the end of the day. So I'm going to stop rambling. I'm done. I love you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya.